Welcome and thank you for visiting us for today's message by Dr. R.L. Davis. For more information regarding our ministry, please stay tuned until after the following message. Let's go to Psalms 51 tonight, please, in verse 7. I'm going to get on to a difficult portion of Scripture that not too many tackle, but we'll tackle it at least once. We'll get to it in a little bit. Shall we have a prayer with the Word tonight? Thank you. Father, we just thank you for your Word tonight. One more Lord's Day this evening service, and then you just bless it to the people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. David said, Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Amen. And you know what? The Lord did just exactly that for him. And he has done the same thing for us and will continue to do so as long as we request it. Praise the Lord. Now we've got a Revelation chapter 19. So keep in mind that David wanted to be washed whiter than snow snow. Then in Revelation 19 and verse 6, I heard as it were a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of the mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And I might say he still does tonight, and he will always. Let us be glad and rejoice. And give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said to me, Right, blessed are they, which are called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Praise the Lord. Every believer that has lived from Abel until the end of the coming tribulation period shall be here. Amen. And they are called saints. The fine linen that the Bible speaks of in various places in the Scripture uh, represents the righteousness of the saints. It's symbolic of righteousness that was offered to what Christ did at the cross. And so when a person receives Jesus, then he or she receives the righteousness of Christ by faith. And that's typified as the white garment that is portrayed in these scriptures. Amen. Salvation and the the robe of righteousness, the white robe that the saints will wear, is all made possible because of the Lamb of God. Amen. We can't add anything to it. All we need to do is make sure our garments are not spotted by the flesh. And there's where the Lord begins to have a problem with some of his folks, some of his children, Until they get like David, become like David, purge me with hyssop, 
I shall be clean, wash me, and I shall be whiter than wool. Amen. We all have to get there sometimes, and it's a good thing. So don't ignore it if it's a blemish on your garment. Right now we have our garments on. They might be invisible, but we got them. They were given to us when we received Christ and His righteousness. Amen. Then we go to Matthew 22 and verse 2 now for the difficult portion of Scripture. Hallelujah. Matthew 22 and verse 2, and we'll start there tonight. So, as I read a while ago in, in Revelation, there will be a marriage supper and those that are redeemed and washed in the blood, washed in the blood, have made their garments white, and they alone will be there at the marriage supper when Christ consummates the ceremony. Amen. Now in Matthew 22 and verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Now I'm going to go slow and just say a few things and not read all the, all the scripture at once here. Which made a marriage supper for his son. So now, if a king made a marriage supper for his son, that king must be the father God. Because we know the son is Jesus. All the Bible is about the son. But Jesus taught in parabolic form. Primarily against the Jews. But it was God's will. Then we go to verse 3, and he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. This speaks, his servants would be the prophets. God sent the prophets to Israel, but Israel would not come, but rather rejected the offer. Everybody say, uh-oh. Then we go to verse 4, again he sent forth other servants. Now, the other servants could be and probably are, or I should say probably were, the great apostle Paul and the original apostles. Praise God. And he, they said, tell them what you're bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatling are killed, and all the things are ready. Come to the marriage. And so Israel was invited to come and participate but they made light of it. Then we go to verse 5. But they made light of it. And went their ways. One to his farm and another to his merchandise. Now this verse seems to signify from what I can see. Israel did not want to go God's way. But rather rejected the gospel for money. Because look. Merchandise. One went to his farm to work, you know, and and uh, raise crops, this and that, and and uh, animals, so forth and so on. And so, money is always seen to be involved in uh, negative sometimes in the scripture. Then we get down to verse six, and the rain that took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Now, Israel persecuted the first church. Say it with me. Israel persecuted the first church. Uh, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were all against the move of God and refused 
to change and accept what their Messiah wanted to do. Then, and so that first church then uh, was persecuted and many were killed for the faith. Then we get to verse 7. But when the king heard thereof, now who's the king? Father God. When the king heard thereof, he was wroth. That means, uh-oh, he is getting upset. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Now that happened in 70 A.D. when General Titus was allowed to go in and destroy Israel. Then in verse 8, Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. And so God's plan did not change just because Israel was not worthy. What changed was his avenue of approach. Because you see, God's will will always come to pass, just like he said. Sometimes he takes a little detour, but it still turns out like he says in the end. And so a change of guest was in order here. The Israelites were the original guests to this wedding, but because they rejected God's way to be wed to the Savior and held the law of Moses, so forth and so on, um, they were not worthy And so the Lord had a change in the guest registry. Praise God. And furthermore, Israel deemed Christ not to be worthy. And in other words, Christ was worthless and just another person. At least that's what they wanted. Some of the leaders especially wanted it that way. However it was, we, we know by looking back in history what really happened. Then we go to verse 9, because you see, this was foretold of the Savior before any of this happened, you see. Then in verse 9, so the original guests were not worthy, in verse 9 now. Go ye therefore to the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So this is, this is a broad application, which simply means... To his servants, the preachers, to go into all the world, especially go to the Gentiles. And so it was God's plan then, all along, to include the Gentiles into his plan. Are you glad about that? And so the Lord, I should say the Father, he, the Father, took a different direction, but it all winds up the same. Amen. Then we go to verse 10. So those servants went to the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. Now, say praise the Lord right there, because you see, we're all bad. But then, if they found some good old boys, then it doesn't make any difference. Everybody was invited, good and bad. That's the point. Now, so... And the wedding was furnished with guests. Of course, this began with the great apostle Paul. Uh, let's look at, take a quick look at Matthew 16 for a little sidetrack here. So we're talking about now world evangelism, which included 
Jews and Gentiles to be gathered to the wedding. Amen. The call went out in uh, Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. Well, let me find it then, because I might have made a boo-boo. All right. My eyes crossed there or something. I'm going to give you a raise. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go out in the highways and byways. Have you got it? Go to the Gentiles. The next verse says now, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. So it was a great blessing if they accepted the offer, but doomed if they rejected the offer. You know, it's all about an offer, everybody. And how you respond to that offer is what makes the difference when judgment day comes. And so Paul got fed up with the Jews and he said, I'm through with you, I'm going to the Gentiles. Just like Jesus said, he had other sheep. All in God's plan. And good and bad were invited to this wedding because everybody, good and bad, needs to be saved. They need salvation. And so Jew and Gentile are gathered to this wedding. Not just Jews, not just Gentile. Jews and Gentile today are invited to the wedding that will take place in heaven. Praise the Lord. Now I'm hoping and believing very soon, praise God. Then verse 11. So we've got a house full of guests, all right? Verse 11, and here comes a difficult one. And when the king came to see the guest. Now let me pause there because it was customary that the one in charge would come and take a look at the guest and see what's going on, right? And so the king, being the father of God, came to see the guest. And he saw a man which had not a wedding garment. Now, I've struggled with that. How did this guy get in without a wedding garment? That's the question. How many want to know? I do not know. When the king came to see the guest, he saw a man which had not a wedding garment. Amen. So the first thing I can think about then about this wedding garment is that how did the king know he didn't have it on? Well, he could see. But more specifically, the king was the one that gave the garment. Did you get that? Glory to God. If I got a garment on, glory to God, the devil didn't give it to me and he cannot take it away. Amen. It was given to me by the Father God Himself. Amen. We have it on. Shout somebody. We have it on tonight. So cheer up, everybody. God's got us covered. Glory to God. So the king then was the one that supplied. The garment. Hallelujah. Now in verse 12, and he said to him, friend. Now I thought about that. Remember when Jesus said, friend, with a kiss. And Jesus said, friend. That's a negative. 
We better be, now not down on the song, but we better be more than our friend or God. <laughs> Amen. We better know God because He knows us. Amen. But the Father God said, Friend, how come comest thou in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Now, everybody says self-righteousness. Oh, you know, the crowd may really get small, but it'll, it'll build back up. Don't worry about it. God's running things. If you got your garment on, amen. But if people are self-righteous, trying to get into the wedding, not going to make it. Now, self-righteousness, in other words, this self-righteous person at this wedding refused the king's garment. I'll do it my way. I'm good enough. Just like Cain. Same spirit. Just like Cain. Cain didn't bring the, the animal sacrifice as he knew to do. He'd do it his way. And God rejected Cain's offering and Cain. No hope. None. There's no record Cain ever repented and got right with God. There's no account that Adam was saved. Now that is a shame. But we can't change what happened. We've got a good idea what did happen though. So what verse am I in here now? Is this exegetical teaching is coming to a close. What verse am I in? 12 or 13? 12, all right. So he was speechless, and I, I should guess so. Self-righteous, refused the garment of, 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 of God. And so this friend was exposed by the Father God and cast out. Everybody say, uh-oh. That isn't good. That isn't good. That tells me that all self-righteousness is going to be cast out. That we cannot stand before God Almighty without a robe, a white robe on before Him. The only way to get that robe is from Him personally. That makes Christ Jesus a personal Savior and a personal Lord and our personal God. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 13, it gets worse. Then said the king to the servants. Now the servants are the, in this case are his angels, not his preachers. Bind him hand and foot. Now this is tough. Can you take this tonight? Well, it's what the Savior said, so it's absolute truth. Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him in an outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the father says to the angels, which are his servants, to do this. Secondly, I think we can see some of our preachers here. And uh, here's what the preachers should preach today. Do you want to know? Here's what they should preach. If you don't have a wedding garment, you're going to go to hell. If you do have a wedding garment, you're not. Can I have an amen there? A gospel preacher must preach this way. 
Because Jesus taught this way. And we have no right to change the word unless we want our name blotted out of the book and lose our garment. I'm not going to do it. Amen. And I know you're with me. But this old boy tried to get in his way and he was found out. The angels came and bound him and threw him into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell. And so, here's the deal. Preachers must preach this. Accept Christ, receive Christ, believe on Him, give your life to Him, you'll be saved. Reject Christ, reject His offer, and you'll be doomed. We must preach that way. Because all of the preaching is futile. There's good and bad. But nowadays we've got everything, everybody's good. No. Nope. As is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And then verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. The end result of the self is hell. You gain your life, you'll lose it. You lose your life for the gospel, you'll find it. You cannot hold on to your identity and your life. Everybody here knows that. But there's a whole lot of people that will not accept it. I can't, accept, I can't change that fact. We can just simply let it out like the Word of God says. If you find your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, in other words, if you give your life to Christ Jesus, you'll save it. The choice is up to people. So many are called. That means the call went out into the entire world. Do you know that the gospel has already been preached in the entire world? So that must not be a major sign before the coming of the Lord. It's already been done. Now, I think we should take a look at Luke 18, verse 10, please, tonight. Praise the Lord. I still hope both football teams lose. Amen. It winds up in a what are you, a tie, a draw, what do you call that one? Is there an overtime in football? I don't even know. Is there? Well, maybe the clock will stop or something. I don't know. But Luke 18, verse 10 to 14. Self-righteousness will put a person in hell. Oh, I'm okay. Nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee and the other a Republican. The Pharisee stood and prayed and thus with himself. Have you got that? God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortion, unjust, adulterers, even as that publican over there. I fast twice a week. Well, now we've got churches that go on 21-day fast, and I'm not against that if God tells them to do it, but it won't get you any more saved. It won't make God do anything more than He's already done. He's already done it all. All it does is get you out of the road. Self. Praise God. 
Besides that, if we don't put a little prayer with the fasting, it's just a diet. Moving right along. So this Pharisee was pretty high on himself, wasn't he? He said, I fast twice a week, give tithes of all I possess. Actually, some of those guys gave 30%. And they boasted about that, you see. And the publican standing far off would not lift so much his eyes unto heaven and smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. That's the rules. <laughs> like I always say, the way up is still down. So the gospel went out, the highways and byways, to the entire world. Many are called, but few were chosen. In other words, all are called, but only a few respond. That, church, grieves the heart of God. You know what, though? God will have a marriage supper without one vacant seat. Glory to God. Just like all the mansions will have occupants. I have one. You have one. Won't need it, but we have one. Mine's on Glory Avenue up there somewhere. And it could be our new names are over the top of the door. I'm not sure about that, but we'll find out one of these days. Praise God. Now the last scripture tonight is Romans 10. And verse 18, because I said a while ago that the gospel has already been preached in all the world. To clarify, it hasn't happened in our generation. Our generation is responsible to give the invitation to the marriage. But the sad truth is only a few are going to respond because man's heart is still deceitful and wicked, and who can know it? Only God. I can assure us all tonight that God sees every heart on this earth. He knows everything, good and bad, and everything in between about everybody. Amen. He sees all. He knows all. And I understand that. I may not be able to comprehend it, but I understand that, and I believe you do too. But here's the deal. We have a task and an assignment. Amen. To our generation. It isn't up to us to do the saving. Or the cleaning. <laughs> like the old timer said, God, you save them, we'll clean them up. Well, nope. God does the saving. He does the cleaning. And all we do is make a mess. If people knew how serious this is, you couldn't keep them out of the church. They'd say, preach, preacher, tell me the old, old story. And yet they turn a deaf ear and go their way. But one of these days it's going to be too late. You hear what I'm saying? I had nothing to do with it. All we do is deliver the little message to people. Now it's up to everybody that hears it to make a decision. I'm out. 
It's called delivering your soul. Delivering your soul. That's what we must do as ministers of the gospel. There still is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There's no asbestos suits in hell, no water, no fall and roll stuff's going to work. But it'll be for all eternity. It's a sad, sad thing. And I think about people that die without Christ today. They said, no, I think I'll wait a while. Like the one that Paul went witnessed to. And he said, Paul, much learning does make thee mad. You know what, Paul? You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. How many people have I seen just almost but not quite? Self will put a person in hell, everybody. You must surrender. And don't go back and pick your life up and go your own way after that, or you're going to get seven times worse. So count the cost. I know you have. But thousands have not counted the cost. Time is running out. And God still says, come to the marriage. There's plenty of room for everybody. And still they go their own way. In that first church, there was so on fire for God. There was no computers, no web, no phones, no cars. All they had was the word, the word of the Lord. And that bunch of believers evangelized the whole world. In fact, fact, Paul said he delivered his soul from all men. What a preacher. Whoo-wee. And yet another place he said, they've all forsaken me. Oh, look, stood with me. Alexander Coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord reward him according to their works. I wouldn't want to be old Alexander Coppersmith. I'm telling you right now. But they evangelized the whole world. And they bid everyone to get into the marriage. So we must do in our generation. Now in the 18th verse, and I'll quit. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth. And their words to the ends of the world. Praise God. So that's been fulfilled, that scripture. Except for our generation. But because we are in the last generation, the terminal generation I call it, we have a job to do. To share the gospel with people and give them a chance. Most will not accept it. How does that abort your salvation? I know it makes us feel bad. You think Jesus might have felt bad? You think the first apostles might have felt bad when they were rejected, beaten, drugged behind horses, sawn asunder, alive, skinned alive, crucified upside down, filleted with knives, killed with spears, boiling oil? You think they might have had their feelings hurt a little bit? 
No, we got to toughen up. Everybody say we got to toughen up. Amen. Amen. We got to toughen up. Share the gospel. Give people an opportunity. Invite them to come to the marriage because the door is still open. But one of these days, it's going to close. Just like the days of Noah. He preached and they laughed at him. A lot like today. I got all kinds of lies told about me, don't I, Yvonne? None of it's true. You hear me? None of it's true. They'll all eat their words. I condemn every word that lies about this ministry. They're going to eat it. If they don't repent, they'll wind up in hell because they're liars. Is that straight enough? Well, that's the truth. God will always back up the truth. Glory to God. I'm not worried about it. We got one assignment. If they want to go to hell, let them go. Is that a bad attitude? Well, Jesus said, if you don't believe he was the, the Christ, the Messiah, you would die in your sin and go to hell. You think he preached rough? Peter told Simon the sorcerer, I perceive you're in a gall of bitterness and a bond of iniquity. Your heart's not right with God. You're going to go to hell. In other words, to blazes with you. Yep. Think that was rough enough? What about Ananias' fire that stole from God? Come in lied to the Holy Spirit, who is God. And they fell down dead. Do you think that's rough enough? I'm not rough at all. Amen. But I'll tell you what, God will have a church that's on fire for him. God will have a church that's committed, dedicated, sold out. No matter how we feel in the flesh, it doesn't make any difference. Our name is still in the book. We still have our robe on. Amen. And we're still rapture ready. Praise God. If everybody else don't want to go, what's that to us? I'm not trying to be obnoxious here. I'm just saying it just like it is. They're all invited, but if they don't want to go, it's not going to keep me down. It's not going to keep me from following Christ. You've got to get tough about this thing because the devil's crowd wants to drag the whole church down so they'll all miss the marriage. That devil's not going to do it. God will have a glorious church for his son. We go back to the beginning. That was the purpose of all of this. God wanted a church for his son. He wanted, he just didn't want people to fellowship. Actually, God really wanted a human that would know salvation. I'm not saying that God is the originator of the fall. No, or sin, no. But he knew it would happen apparently. But he, the only way we can really know God is salvation. Adam couldn't really know God because he, he'd never been lost to be found. Not like we have. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. When we stand before God, we will remember where we came from. The sheep coat. We will remember that we were nothing. Going to hell fast. And God, for some reason, chose us to be in his remnant church. When we stand there, it's going to hit us then. And when Christ comes and looks in our face, and we shall see him one day, I won't have any questions. I'll just say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Glory to God.
hope you enjoyed today's message by Dr. R.L. Davis, pastor and overseer of Zion Ministries International. For more information regarding our ministry and mission, please visit us online at zwmi.com. Once again, that's zwmi.com. Or visit us on Facebook at Zion Word Ministries International.